right? Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to, uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster hey hey welcome in it is a second episode of the filibuster podcast this week, DC United's uh, preseason is over, and the regular 2022 season is officially and finally here. Uh, United will open up Saturday night on Buzzard Point against expansion side Charlotte FC, whose coach, uh, somewhat famously, doesn't seem especially optimistic about this early part of their first ever year of play. We will talk about that on this episode because we have Alex Andreev from the Charlotte Observer on to talk all things Carolina soccer. Alex, welcome to Filibuster. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, We're thrilled to have you. We have a tradition here. What are you drinking? (laughs) Yes, I I was informed of the tradition before and I've got a uh, seltzer here with me for this uh, lovely evening. Nice. Love a good sparkling water. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We we have to start off with that quote from Miguel Angel Ramirez, who, for anyone who's been under a rock for the last couple weeks, said that after some misses on player acquisitions, uh, some targets fell through, essentially, he said that we're screwed, was the, I think, PG translation from Spanish that was posted in the subtitles of that video. So um, how's the roster going into week one? <laughs> yeah, well, there there hasn't been much change, notably, I think, to the roster at that point, which was only a couple, you know, a week ago or so, um, before this latest uh, Charleston tournament that Charlotte FC was playing in. And there haven't been really any other you know, major signings or DP additions. Um, you know, obviously Miguel's comments came after, you know, a reported deal fell through with Darwin Machis and um, that ultimately didn't end up happening after, you know, he was involved in some legal trouble um, back in Spain that was going to make it difficult for him to sign an MLS contract. And so that kind of Charlotte was not aware of it until late in the process. And, Ultimately, that deal did not get done, which um, put put them in a rough spot leading into, you know, this first game against DC United and then home opener. And even, I think, you know, the first kind of beginning of the season, uh, it's going to take a little bit of time, it sounds like, to get ultimately 
a major kind of target and acquisition that that Charlotte wants to see. You know, we might not see another big name until like a summer transfer window or something like that, potentially. Um, so, and again, I think Miguel's comments were, you know, we're screwed. I don't know if it's necessarily we're screwed for good or just kind of screwed in this moment, right? Like this isn't what the roster, obviously I think the the front office is working very hard to still get these DP slots filled, get these wingers that they need, more strikers. I mean, now the the latest thing that we've heard coming out of the club is Carol Swiderski, who's notably Charlotte's only DP, unless you count, I guess, Jordi Alcivar is considered a young DP right now for kind of roster purposes. But, um, you know, Carol is going to be, he's back in Poland dealing with some other kind of visa processing issues might not be back for this first game against UC United. So that does not leave you. And you've got Venetius Mello, who's another um, young forward, young striker on this team that is ineligible because of injury. So it's, you know, it, Charlotte has just had a lot of these kind of deals that they thought have been close, deals that they wanted to get done. Players get injured. Players have visa issues with so many international players and haven't been able to spend really the full preseason together. Um and then they're coming together kind of right at the start of the season and say, like, what do we have to work with when we look at our front line? And it's not a lot. <laughs> so that that was kind of the context of um, Miguel's comments. So I th- my ears perked up early in your answer there, and I'm sure some listeners did too, because you mentioned a preseason tournament in Charleston, which the, the Carolina Challenge Cup is a longstanding preseason tournament there that DC United went to for a lot of years before the Charleston battery folded. But it, it's great to hear that it's back and has MLS teams and maybe DC United can go in the future because I've wanted an excuse to go to Charleston for that tournament for years and haven't been able to make it. So uh, hopefully we'll see you there uh, in, in the coming year. Yeah, no, that, and, and I actually wasn't there in person to cover it because it overlapped with the Daytona 500, which is also the other beat that I cover. So, you know, you know, Charlotte is very much a NASCAR city as much oh, as yeah. it's becoming this new MLS city. Um, and so that was where I was this past week. And so I actually missed a lot of Charlotte FC's games, but I was still kind of following as much as I could be and, and trying to keep updated with was getting sent quotes from players and coaches afterwards um, and was back at the stadium today to hear some, or, you know, we heard one player, Christian Kalina, Charlotte FC goalkeeper, uh, kind of his assessment of what preseason looked like there. But yeah, I mean, I, it, it seemed like a good time. I've heard great things about the tournament. So just the, the atmosphere there. Um, so I'd, I'd love to go next season in the future for sure. The battery haven't folded, Adam. What are you talking about? They did. They folded operations for a year or two. They literally disappeared for a time. And they're back and beat Charlotte. And they came back. <laughs> they, they came back. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> ben, ben might have a, a like a time miss. There's like a scene missing for for Ben. It's just like a a year. I mean, nothing matters in the pandemic. <laughs> especially in, in especially in in d2 and d3 american soccer but i think uh, the tournament actually stopped before and then they folded and then they came back and brought the tournament back it was all a thing it was a whole thing <laughs> so alex um sticking with um uh 
uh, Ramirez. He has three years of experience being a head coach. He was sacked at his last job pretty quickly. Uh, what what did the ownership of uh, Charlotte see in him, and why did they bring in, bring him in? And what what do they expect from him uh, in this in this first year? Yeah, well, I, I mean, the expectations are lofty. I would say, um, you know, the the front office has pretty explicitly said that they want to not just make playoffs the first year, but be but host a playoff match. So, you know, that that is a pretty high standard, I would say, for an MLS expansion yeah. team. Um, but Miguel, I think, has also kind of had a history of coming into teams and being able to win with what he's got a little bit. Um, you know, I think international being the outliers latest club that he was sacked from, but, you know, he, he's found success before, um, just kind of with, with younger players, especially, I think his, he's got a ton of academy experience, um, you know, is from Las Palmas, Spain, originally coached at Greek academies. Um, and then that 2019 Sudamericana cup was a real, I think, Victor, or I think it was a real kind of like coming out from him for him a little bit in terms of what he was able to achieve with that team and and performance wise, um, be able to put that team together and take a club that has never really gone as far as that and still be able to succeed with this like young, inexpensive roster by kind of South American team terms. That makes sense. And that, that was with um, Independiente. Sorry, mm. I should clarify that. Well, so, Alex, you mentioned that uh, the team has you know, one DP fell through. Another sounds pretty iffy if he's in Poland currently. Um, and the game is, it's hard to believe it's coming up. We're, we're recording on Tuesday. It's its days away. Um, it's probably going to be iffy that he, even in the best case scenario that he plays, um who who are who else is on the roster that Charlotte is excited about? I know there's been a lot of, you know, the negative side of this, but who where are the bright spots right now? Yeah, no, I I think it's it's definitely fair too to talk about those bright spots because it seems like there are kind of younger guys or maybe just talent that hasn't necessarily been looked at before that Charlotte feels like these are going to be really promising international players within MLS. Um, you know, I know Jordi Alcivar is one. T.T. Ortiz is is another guy that I think has been able to kind of capitalize on these goal-scoring moments um, when he's not been in the best positions necessarily. I mean, I think Anton Walks was a really great kind of pickup by Charlotte in the expansion draft to get him from Atlanta. So that's a little bit of MLS experience kind of to balance that pretty international, never played an MLS before roster um, that's characterized this team. Uh, you know, I, I think Jalen Lindsay is another guy that uh, is gonna <laughs> is gonna come back and kind of put in a good. You know, he's back in, in Charlotte and back in his hometown, and he's already had some good minutes within MLS. But I I hope that we continue to see him grow at Charlotte and with the, in this game model, um, and even like some of these kind of college players. I know Miguel has been really excited about um, Ben Bender, who was there. Mm-hmm you know, super draft pick for super draft pick. Um, and then Chris Hagart was an, another player from Georgetown that Miguel has been really impressed with as a, as a midfielder. And George Marks, who's another, um, he's a, 
Clemson goalkeeper that was just signed to a contract with Charlotte FC, another super draft pick, but I know he's really impressed that coaching staff uh, just through the, through the course of this preseason. So, you know, I don't know how I, I, I would hesitate to say that Charlotte's going to go out there and like score a million goals, but I think that with um, especially that back line and midfield that they have assembled, you know, we're going to, they're going to still be able to create some opportunities. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, they can add a few more, a few more players. I mean, Mackenzie Gaines on the outside as a winger, I know has just been talked about his like incredible speed that he has. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen these moments too throughout preseason in, it, in Charleston, you can see the promise, I think with some of these sequences and now it's just about having the time together uh, to, to really put it all together. Well, speaking of the defense, one of the uh, uh, players that uh, Charleston has picked up from DC United is Joseph Mora, uh, involved in uh, um, a a transaction that got DC United some uh, uh, allocation money. Uh, What was it, 50K? I believe. Yeah, the the, the mandatory uh, 50K. 50K, right. Um, How, like, uh, Joseph Mora was a solid uh uh fullback when dc united played a 4-4-2 when they switched formations to a free a three back he didn't really fit into Hernan losada's uh uh style of play uh what is his role going forward in charlotte's uh uh in in charlotte's uh style of play is he a starter is he a backup uh how much of a how much of a role is he expected to play I mean, it's kind of tough to say a little bit because all these guys have gotten so many minutes interchangeably, I think, and the starting lineup has been pretty varied. I mean, we, I know that we've been asking Miguel, certainly, like, what formation do you expect to play for the start of the season? And his response, even against, like, for, for this DC United match has been, like, you know, we're going to look at whatever opponent we're playing, and that's how we're going to adjust what formation we play. So it's this kind of, you know, hybrid system, I would say, that literally changes mid-game. Um, is how that, I and mean, that's even how, like, players will describe it to me, too, is, you know, they're like, well, we kind of, you know, we'll shift further up the field, we'll shift further back, wherever it's kind of needed. So the roles are somewhat undefined, but it's more about uh, creating space, as far as I understand it, like knowing what spatially um where you're supposed to be in cover and then filling in gaps too that you see. Um, so, you know, I think Joseph Mora being able to kind of, if he, if he's going to slot in kind of a right back or left back position, even not even just, you know, that fullback slot, I could see them moving him around somewhat. Um, and whether he's going to be a starter, I think, it, you know, I think we're going to have to see like these first couple of matches, honestly, but I think you can expect him to get playing time still. As as Miguel and that coaching staff tries to figure out who are going to be the the consistent starters, and and again, I don't know if they're necessarily, at least early in the season, are going to be consistent starters. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of another point that I would want to make is just it, it's very much so seems that he's going to adapt the the starting eleven and the starting and even just you know the substitutions he makes to whatever he sees playing out in mid-game in the, in the field. I think it's going to be very fluid. Another former DC United player that landed in Charlotte is Jordy Reyna, um, who seems at least likely to be in the rotation 
in in that front three. Yeah, and I, I mean, Jordy has had like he's had some significant minutes too. I think, understandably, and and Jordy, I know like he um, had some injuries at DCU prior, right? Mm. And uh, had some visa issues, so he didn't really get to Charlotte until right before they left for Charleston. But he almost immediately, you know, like came in and made an impact. You know, he, I think he's going to be. We can say that he's probably going to be a consistent starter if, if no others necessarily, <laughs> <laughs> because they really do need that like attacking fortification right now and power at the wings. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think if he can kind of slot into that immediately and, and be probably a little bit more consistent with just some touches and in this game model that Miguel has outlined, then you're going to see him have a lot of minutes at Charlotte. <laughs> I was curious earlier, you mentioned um, that, you know, Charlotte is mostly a a NASCAR town and is starting to pick up um, with, with MLS expansion coming in. Um, What is the general feel uh, for the the area with an expansion team coming in? How excited? I know I've seen some of the, the shots from the Panthers stadium, um, which is kind of, kind of wild to see to be reminded of what nfl stadiums are like on the inside um as compared to uh some of the other places around the league so uh, just a general feel for you know how into this team for lack of a better way to put it is the city of charlotte at this point well uh, they're you know they're trending towards a sellout for that home Mm. opener and that's been really the kind of what that front office has been pushing for is to hype up that home opener, get people excited about having an MLS team in Charlotte. And I think something that's noteworthy about Charlotte as like a sports city is that there's no MLB team here necessarily. So it's, you know, still kind of a growing slightly smaller city than, you know, if you're like New York's or LA's, but it's right in that kind of second tier, almost like a Nashville is what I would kind of compare it to right now potentially Atlanta. And I know that a lot of comparisons have been drawn between Atlanta and Charlotte building out this expansion club because of the shared stadium with, you know, an an NFL team um, not having that soccer specific stadium and just the excitement in the Carolinas about soccer in general, and this being like a breeding ground for USL teams and youth academies and, you know, women's soccer too. So um, I think having that, that, and draw and there's there's certainly an interest and excitement leading into this home opener and I think it's just going to be like whether that you know sustains but I I think I've certainly seen kind of the fan interest and passion and excitement around it Um, and so I think it's going to be there and then you know whether the team can kind of produce the results I think regardless you're still going to see some hype around it because it's expansion team they're in their first year mm-hmm. you know it's a little bit of the honeymoon phase I think is <laughs> I've heard it described and, and been describing it to others but um yeah the the excitement is there for sure mm-hmm. um and I think that's going to be huge for MLS too if they can draw that you know 75,000 74,000 I guess crowd um mm-hmm. and potentially more so that'll be big. And then the next question will just be, okay, can it sustain? Can this team make right. the playoffs <laughs> and all the kind of technical questions? Can they lock down a, another DP? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, somewhat related. Like I know 
Charlotte is a large sphere of influence uh, between uh, uh, upstate South Carolina and uh, North Carolina. Are they concentrating right now on just like the Charlotte region primarily for marketing? Are they looking to upstate South Carolina trying to draw in like the Spartanville Greenville area or like going up towards um, um, Winston-Salem or Greensboro? Or are they really just concentrating right now on their core uh, uh, Charlotte area market? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the I think from the get-go, this club is pretty been branded pretty heavily as like a club for the Carolinas, even though it's named Charlotte FC. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's probably some political reasons for that, I'm guessing, as to why the, the name turned into that. But, but it, I think that certainly the efforts have not just been concentrated on Charlotte area, but on North and South Carolina as well and getting them involved. Like I know, the, you know, the club just announced kind of broadcast deals across the Carolinas. Um, that includes South Carolina coverage on certain local stations. So that was a really big point for the club was we want to make sure, you know, people can still access it and that they're going to have live streaming in, in zip codes that do extend further out beyond just the, you know, close local Charlotte epicenter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the supporters groups, like just in terms of kind of the fan support for it too, I know that the supporters groups have s- certainly span beyond just this region, although it's more heavily concentrated in Charlotte, but there are, you know, there are South Carolina supporters groups for Charlotte FC too. And, you know, I think that's something that you could probably see grow a little bit more is just, you know, is having the Raleigh area too so close is probably something that, you know, we'll see how much that charlotte fc and the marketing and branding for that is able to penetrate Mm -hmm. that already pretty soccer heavy raleigh and triangle area so that that will be one something that's i think interesting to see just this first season is like how many fans do kind of know about it and come down for matches from that triangle region i'm hoping that um don't call them the railhawks and and charlotte fc meet in the (laughs) open cup this year i think that would be really fun (laughs) first carolina rivalry going in, in, in a proper tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the stadium, I know there were pretty significant renovations to make way to make room for Charlotte FC is, is the NFL stadium, the, the long-term plan, or is there any talk of a soccer specific ground for the team? Yeah, that, I mean, that's been another kind of big question for us too, is, you know, just very early into expansion process. Um, like just some plans in terms of academy and, and first team were moving around in different area. You know, there, there was talk of building an academy specific center um, and training center in one area. And some of those plans changed. And then it was like, okay, is this going to be the, is the long-term play then for Charlotte to move to a different spot? Are they going to have their own training ground and soccer specific stadium? Cause there is actually a very nice, you know, American Legion Memorial Stadium, um, where your USL team plays here. It, it's mm. a really nice soccer-specific stadium. But I think the, the ultimate goal was to be able to host, you know, to be able to host a 74,000-person match. Um, and, and as far as I have heard, there's been no indication, at least from the front office or for from MLS, um, about that moving. You know, I, I asked Don Garber, on a media call, 
not today, but much earlier. And, and he was asked again today, actually, if there was any plan. And that seems to be like the question that they keep getting to. Um, is, is Charlotte going to go to soccer specific? But the the league's position has been that they're really comfortable with Charlotte playing in a non-soccer specific stadium. And I think just, well, I think we'll see, but I have not heard anything. Nothing has been indicated. Um in terms of that moving, at least in the short term. So I think they've highlighted these renovations very much at Bank of America Stadium to make it more soccer friendly um, and, and have spent a significant amount of money to do that and time and resources. You know, and it's not just, I guess, soccer, but they've got concerts and other events and stuff that they host there, other international soccer matches as well. Um, but built out like a whole new player locker room. Uh, the supporter section is is really large. Um, and yeah, so as far as, you know, just concession stands, ticketing, the march, they've all kind of thought that through in terms of like, this is where we're going to be for the next year, couple years, future years. <laughs> and then from there, it, it is an old stadium. Uh, mm. it, it, it does have artificial turf now. Um, so I think that's going to continue to be a question though, is like, is there a long-term plan to build out a soccer specific stadium for Charlotte? And I think a lot of it's going to depend on too, just, you know, like what, what the fan turnout is like. Mm -hmm. So we always like to end these segments back on the field, um, specifically asking how would you game plan against the team that you cover coming in, you know, little inside Intel for, for this podcast, which obviously the technical staff of DC United listens to closely. So just, just to, you know, give aid to the enemy here. Um, what, what are your thoughts? That's it. No, I mean, I think that's a good question. And as, uh, as I was saying earlier too, I think it's a tough one to answer just because this, because of this very, uh, unique Miguel and Ramirez game model and system. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think you've got to press the press the attack, which I think, you know, DC United is going to have some success with just knowing how kind of hard it hits that attacking system. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think that being able to get that kind of like Charlotte FC likes to do these very quick um passes especially in the backfield so if you're able to just press up high in the field and cut that pass off I you know I think you can net some goals that way honestly like catch them as they're far back in the field they're working on the possession system you know they they've got some kind of fluidity issues still I think just being this team that's getting used to working together and I think you could catch them off guard by just moving some of your guys forward and and trying to cut off some of those rogue rogue passes well, that's good news because that is the the basis of Hernan Losada's maximum overdrive. Yeah, yeah, I know the right. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Is like you know we will we'll see how it goes. Right? Is like the we'll see what the results look like early with the Charlotte FC team. The excitement is there. Um, I, I'm a little bit doubtful that the results are going to be there immediately. That doesn't mean that they can't turn it around. It's a long season. You know, mm. you've got, you still got the summer transfer window, but. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We, we might have uh, a lot of fans kind of cheering on, cheering on draws would be uh, a success, I think. Well, if, if nothing else, you have a, a very, I don't, I won't say high bar, but uh, three wooden spoons in a row for the last, 
for for another recent expansion team. Right. So as no matter how badly you... you start this year, you you don't have three wooden right. spoons on the trot. <laughs> you, you have a number of years to to be worse than FC Cincinnati. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and no and no shortage to talk. Nothing to yeah, no shortage of topics to talk about. I guess with this coach and mm-hmm. um, you know these expectations. So, but Absolutely. it'll make it fun. It'll make it fun to follow. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. This is fun. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Andrea of Alex, A-N-D-R-E-J-E-V is my last name. Um, you can f- find all of our soccer coverage at in the Charlotte Observer or the charlotteobserver.com slash sports. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Uh, support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. Our Patreon patrons will get early or did get early access to this episode. And we'll keep that going through the year when we can handle two segments or two episodes in a week, which I think this year will be a little bit easier than in the past or in, than last year, because we we have a regular season that's more regular this year, which is nice. I'm looking forward to not having eight games a week every week forever and ever anyway find us on twitter at black and red U, at filibuster dcu at bromley soccer at jason dc soccer at 202 amt send your emails to filibuster podcast at gmail.com find us wherever you get your podcasts uh download and subscribe obviously and then i'm told that ratings and reviews are also very helpful in uh that whole thing. Mostly, I like it when you tell a friend about the show. So tell them about this great interview in this preview of the Charlotte game that you heard. And uh, we'd consider that a huge favor for us. So for Jason and Ben and thanking Alex and Drea one more time, I'm Adam. We'll talk, you, we'll, we'll talk at you again real soon. Easy for me to say. Say goodbye, Jason. No, I'm, I'm taking this over. No, I'm taking this over. Adam was wrong. I was right about the Charleston battle. The tournament did stop, though. Doesn't matter.